Praise the Lord, everybody. Right there in your home, I know you feel the presence of God. I have a word for you today, and I promise you, if you'll just hear the word of the Lord, your life will be eternally and perpetually changed. As I was praying this morning, the Lord began to deal very, very sternly with me about where we are in this season. And he told me very promptly to come to you and tell you, be encouraged, be of good faith. In Jesus' name, we speak faith to you. And we say to you, your best is yet to come. It's not behind you. It is still in front of you. So we speak hope to you. We speak faith to you and a clear future in a very confusing time. We break every generational curse and dismiss every generational spirit now. And let there be an open heaven over your house or wherever you are. Receive this revelation. Apply it to your life. And enjoy a purpose filled with freedom in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. I'm going to get right into this, but I just want to say a few things. You know, I was, as I was preparing this morning to get ready, I was talking to Giovanna, my wife, and I said, you know, everything is changing. Everything has changed. And it changed just like that. I'm still getting used to this Oklahoma weather. And it seemed like we just skipped right across spring and we went from winter to summer. It was abrupt. It was suddenly 93 degrees. And we broke a record just the other day. And I'm just amazed at how quick it changed. And so also our life so quickly changed. A virus showed up and everything changed. And I want to encourage you today, do not let what you cannot change change you. Remain faithful to the calling of God in your life. And as I was considering all of this, I, I thought everything goes full circle. You know, God is a wheel within a wheel. He's cyclical. He works in cycles. And it all comes back around. And it seems like we've gone back in time and really we've been projected into our future. But it looks so similar to me. You know, preaching has changed. Songwriting has changed. This generation is a generation that writes vertical songs. We're right to the Father all the time and about the Father all the time. And that's beautiful because the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. But it wasn't many decades ago, maybe a decade and a half ago, we were singing songs that were very horizontal. We were singing songs that were on the horizon. It was a song that spoke prophetically to people and the words were like, we're going to get through this. As a matter of fact, that word through meant a lot to us. We're going to go through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So there's something powerful about that kind of songwriting. Songs help us see. Songs help us see. And these songwriters would write songs about through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all. He said, the songwriter said, I've had many trials. I've been through a lot of stuff, but through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. If I didn't have any problems, I wouldn't know that God could solve them through it all. And that kind of preaching and singing helped us make it to where we are today. It placed us in a position now where we're able to go vertical with God. But things have come full circle. You remember that old song that said, farther along, we'll know all about it. 
farther along, we'll understand why. Right now, we don't know, but I can tell you, farther along, we will know. And farther along, we will understand. So the Lord brought me to Matthew chapter 16, and I was thinking about how we used to preach messages like this. Persevere. Hang in there. And the word persevere, you know, is very interesting. Per means to see. Severe. Severity. It's the ability to see through the severity. Did you hear that? It's the ability to see, peer through the severity. And I came to tell you today that God is about to give you vision that's going to allow you to see through what you're going through, to see to the other side of it. So the Lord gave me this message, and man, I'm going to preach it with a prophetic anointing and an apostolic annunciation. And speak it over your life today. Grab this thing and work it into your life. Share this thing right now. Hit that share button. Please tag friends right now. They need this. We need encouragement right now. So I'm going to preach this message and called, Can You See? That is called, Can You See Beyond This Season? Can you see beyond this season? Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Listen to it carefully. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples. One version says, from that time Jesus began to explain to his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem, how that he must suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and how that, listen carefully, how that he must be killed. But don't miss the last part. And how that he must be raised again on the third day. Can you see through it? Verse number 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, Lord, be it far from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, listen carefully, get thee behind me, Satan. He's speaking to the influence. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was speaking to the influence over Peter at that moment. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but you're thinking about the things that be of men. You're having trouble discerning what's of God and what's of man. Verse 24, then said Jesus to the disciples, if any man will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life, listen carefully, for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Look at someone close to you there in your living room and ask them the question, can you see beyond this season? You know, as we are quarantined to our homes, I believe that God is quantifying or measuring our capacity for change. Let me say that again. As we are quarantined to our homes, I believe that God is quantifying or measuring our capacity for change. Everything has changed. Everything. 
Entertainment has changed. Shopping has changed. Socializing has changed. Life has changed. Doing church has changed. To being the church. Could it be that that's where God wanted us all along? To stop doing church and start being the church. Hmm. The only thing that has not changed is God himself. He said, I am God and I change not. Jesus says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. You serve a God that is immutable. You serve a God that is unchangeable. But the question is, has this season changed you? Because it's not changed him. He's still the same. So it's a matter of your perspective, not a matter of his power to deliver. It's a matter of how you are seeing it. Are you optimistic or pessimistic? Are you in faith or are you in fear? Are y'all with me today? In our text, we see this change. We're approaching Holy Week, y'all. We're approaching Holy Week. We are one week away from Palm Sunday. One week away. And when I was reading this this morning, I realized that Matthew chapter 16, see Isaiah, is the pivotal point in the prophetic change of Christ's life on the earth. He has never talked to them like he talked to them in this passage of scripture. This is the first time they've heard of this. They were overwhelmed as they listened to the unfolding of the dialogue of Jesus concerning his own destiny. They thought we were building a kingdom. And suddenly it all changed. And he's talking about suffering and dying and being killed. Hold on a minute. That's too abrupt. Things have been going too smooth for us. And you're going to throw this curve in here? It begins with Christ, Matthew chapter 16, warning his disciples. You want to circle that word. About the teaching of the Sadducees and the scribes and the Pharisees. He said, be careful of the yeast. Yeast is something that affects everything around it. Be careful of the doctrine of religion because it messes everything up. They thought he was talking about the bread he multiplied for the multitude. He said, I'm not talking to you about that. I'm talking to you about a doctrine that will defile a religion that will hurt and rotten what I'm trying to bring. I'm trying to bring life. That doctrine is a doctrine of death. So he starts with that and then he moves on. And he asked a question. He, right there in Caesarea Philippi, he says, I got a question for you guys. Who do men say that I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they start saying, well, some say you're Isaiah and some say you're Elijah. Yeah. But he says, but who do you yeah, right, say yeah, yeah, yeah. I am? Come on, sir. And of course, impetuous Peter speaks up and he says, you are Christ, right, right. the son of the living God. And Jesus immediately responds. It's almost like a stimulus. It's almost like an insert that causes reaction. He gives an immediate response, kind of like a stimulus. It's a stimulus plan of God to make you react, to make you respond. And Peter says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And watch what Jesus says in response to the stimuli. 
He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this. If you know who Jesus is, that's the Father's fault. If you know him as your Christ, that's the Father's fault. You can blame God on it because no man can go to the Father but through the Son. So watch what he says. Now, Peter, based on your confession, upon this rock, I will build my church. He's not done. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whatever hell permits is not admitted into the kingdom of heaven. Whatever hell allows shall not overwhelm the house of God. And I'm here to tell you, we will not lose in this season. We will win. Why? Because what he has built, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And then all of a sudden, the dialogue shifts. I will build my church. And then the dialogue shifts. From that point on, he began to explain. He began to show them what he was about to go through. The Bible says in verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples. Now I've asked you to circle that word disciples because that's a very important word in this text. Verse 21, the word disciples. I've learned something. He began to show who, Josh? His disciples. Everyone can't see it. See, Christian, everyone can't see it. But he began to show those that he expected to be able to understand. He began to show his disciples. I've learned this, that as the cross drew nearer, his circle got smaller. As he drew near to the crucible of the cross, his inner circle began to shrink. It is inevitable that as we get closer to purpose, relationships change. It is inevitable the more passionate you become about your purpose in the earth, your relationships will begin to change. It's inevitable. Not your impact, not your influence, but your inner circle will change. Watch Jesus' progression through his life. He starts out ministering to multitudes, right? Right? But in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, he sends out 72. Wow. And then in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, he appoints of the 72, 12. And then in Mark chapter 5, verse 37, he goes in to hear J- heal Jairus' daughter, and he only brings three. Right. He goes to the Mount of Transfiguration, he only brings three. Right. Wow. Are y'all hearing me today? Yeah. He goes to Gethsemane, he only brings three. Wow. He gets closer and closer to the cross and the circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It's simple, y'all. Everyone cannot go where you are going. Everyone cannot go where you are going. Everyone will not understand or comprehend or discern the details of your destiny. And as much as you try to explain it to them, they will never get it. So his ministry begins to move now. Matthew 16, his ministry begins to move from the multitude to the disciples. He began to explain to his disciples, man, this is good enough for me to run around this building. 
he began to explain to his what? Disciples. Disciple is a pupil. It is a learner. Say that word. Learner. Very important. Say it one more time. Learner. John chapter 2, verse 22, verse 24 is a very interesting scripture. I'm going to show you something here. The Bible says Jesus did not commit himself unto that multitude because he knew all men. Polarization. He begins to separate the learners from the hearers. He begins to divide the followers from the observers. He said, the Bible says he did not commit to them, which means to entrust or place confidence in. So he refused to confide in what he had no confidence in. He refused to confide in what he had no confidence in. Don't miss that. I hope you hear this today. He began to now shift his dialogue to his disciples, the learners. The question is, do you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, to the church in this critical hour? Change is the end result of all true learning. Say it again, Pastor Rick. Change is the end result of all true learning. Watch this. He does not stop loving when we stop learning, but he will not speak into what is not open to receive. He didn't commit to them because he knew them. He wasn't going to give them secrets they weren't ready to hear. I wish you can hear this here. It is impossible to lean in faith on what you have not learned to trust. It is impossible to lean in faith on what you have not learned to trust. There are two great teachers in life, obedience and experience. What you do not learn through obedience, you will learn through experience. And he's giving them a chance to learn things. Who? His disciples, the learners, those who were hungry to learn. Now watch what the Bible does not say. It never says they stop learning. Come on now. It never one time says the, the disciples stop learning. The number one prerequisite in being a disciple is a hunger to learn. Wow. Yes. Okay, this is good. Woo, I wish I had a church today. The number one prerequisite of being a disciple is a hunger to learn. Learn learn more of his word. Learn more of his person. Learn more of his passion. Learn more of his purpose. You will never arrive at a place where you've attained all knowledge about him. You will never get there. We are always learning. We are in the process of becoming because we are pupils of purpose. Man, in this quarantine season, This is what the Lord told me this morning. I am teaching lessons. The question is, who is learning and what are you learning? Who is learning and what are you learning? When we stop learning, living begins to slow down. When you stop learning, you start dying. Learning keeps you growing. Learning keeps you vibrant. Jesus knew 
If these fellas cannot learn, they cannot lead. When you stop learning, you lose your ability to lead. Learners will always be leaders, not know-it-alls, learners. I believe that Jesus right now is building leaders. Come on in the building. Jesus is building leaders in this season. Where are they being built? In living rooms where parents are imparting the children. Where are they being built? They're being built in bedrooms where mom and daddy is on their knees next to their bed. Learning God together as a couple. The question is, who is posturing yourself to become the greatest pupil that God ever placed in this earth? God is teaching. Are we learning? Somebody said this, John Kennedy said this, leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. Benjamin Franklin said it like this, tell me and I'll forget. Teach me and I may remember, but involve me and I'll learn. Involve me and I'll learn. And this is what Jesus is trying to do to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. He's trying to involve them in where he is going. Verse 21, he began to explain to them how he must go. Must go. Jesus always lived with a must in his heart. 12 years old. 12 years old, the number of government. Purpose is, governing, purpose is governing Christ when he's 12. 12 is the number of government. Luke 2, 49, he said to them, how is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? 12 years old, I must. At 12, I must. See, you must. Come on. This is a season where the maybes, yes. our yes. might, yes. is cast out right. of our life. Right. Now we're in a season of we must now. I know that mantle better than I've ever known it now because we've never been here before. Luke 4, 43, and he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God. (laughs) John 9, verse 4, I must work the works of him who called me while it is day because night is coming when no man shall work. I don't know how many hours we have left in the light, y'all. But I can tell you, if you don't feel this incredible purpose and sense of destiny that you must, then ask yourself why you exist. Why are you even here if you don't live with a must in your heart? Everyone will not understand what you must do. What was a mystery to people around him was a must to his heart. Everyone around you will not understand what you must do. Let it remain a mystery to them. You do what you must do. He said, I must go to Jerusalem. I must suffer. Must suffer? I must die. Can you see beyond this season? I must raise again on the third day. Well, I hope y'all can hear that at your house today. I'm here to tell you, you must come through this. You have to. You have no choice. In Jesus' name. 
There are things you would like to do. There are things you get to do. There are things you tell others to do. There are things you are told to do. But then there are things you must do. There are things you must do. Nobody can do it for you. Hmm. You can't assign it to someone. You can't delegate it to anybody. You can't wish it away. It is your purpose. It is your assignment. And you must do it. Glory to God. You must hear Pastor Rick. And you will. Come on in this building. You must and you will. In Jesus' name. Can you see beyond the suffering? This is so cool, Peter's response. No way. He begins to rebuke Jesus. He begins to rebuke the one he's been following. Jesus immediately said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're thinking about men's stuff. I'm thinking about God's stuff. Are y'all here? When you can't see beyond the suffering, listen to Pastor Rick, when you can't see Beyond the suffering, the cross becomes a stumbling block. Wow. Wow. Yep. Peter did not hear raised again. Peter heard suffer. Wow. The question is, what are you hearing? What are you hearing in this season? Are you hearing we're quarantined and everything's bad? Or are you hearing we're coming out the other side better than we've ever been before? What are you listening to? All Peter heard was suffering. Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I imagine when he pinned that in that prison, he just set that pen down and rejoiced. But then he had to sit down and think about it. And he wrote the next part of the sentence and the fellowship of his suffering. Interesting, isn't it? This is a generation that wants to escape the experience. We want to escape. We don't want the experience. We want out. And God said, I'm teaching you something. I want it to end. I came by to tell you, if the virus ends like that, that'll be a show enough miracle. But I can tell you if it's a gradual leaving and deliverance or an immediate one, we're coming out. But we must decide how we are coming out. Quit trying to escape the experience. Hebrews 5, 8 says these words, even though Jesus was God's son, Christian, listen to it. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Why would we want out of this season when God is trying to teach us something we've never learned? I'm saying, God, I don't know why we're here. I don't know how we got here. I don't know where this thing come from. Muwan, Huwan, whatever, China. But we here. We here right now. So we might as well learn something right now. Learn something you never knew in this season. The same apostle Peter that is rebuking Jesus on the other side wrote these words. First Peter chapter five, verse eight. I hope you're not bored because I didn't come here to give you a sermonette today. I came here to give you the word of the Lord. And you need this in your life. Quit trying to say suffering is of the devil. Quit teaching doctrine like Christians don't go through stuff. It is not true. That is not true. We all go through stuff. And that's why this apostle wrote, 
1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert. Come on. <laughs> stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Who this man preaching? He was called the devil earlier. Now he's telling people, watch out for that devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him, preaching the building, Peter. Be strong in your faith. Remember, listen carefully. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. My God. Guess what this is? It is a pandemic. It is global. Yes. Yeah, we're all dealing with it. Yeah. This virus has no respecter of person. Wow. Don't matter if you're rich, poor, where you live, it's there. Yes. And the whole world is dealing with this kind of suffering. Verse 10, in his kindness, God called you to share in his glory by Christ Jesus. So watch this. Can you see beyond this season? Watch what he says. So after, everybody say after. After, after you have suffered a little while. Wow. Come on, y'all. Right. They talking about July. They talking about August. They talking about April. It don't matter. It's a little while. Compared to your life, it's a little while. We pray for our heroes. We pray for those who have lost their jobs. We pray for those who are working in the hospital. We pray for the EMS people. We pray for all of the doctors and the nurses. We pray for them. We pray for the people that are putting them groceries in your hands at the grocery store. But I came by to tell you, this thing ain't going to last forever. He says, after you have suffered a little while. Watch what it says here now. He will restore you after he will restore you. Watch. He will support you. He will strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation. You coming out in Jesus name. And when you do, you're going to be supported, restored. You're going to be strong and standing on a firm foundation. Everybody's suffering this misfortune, this calamity. We're all having to deal with it, but there's another side. There's the other side. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. There's joy on the other side. Can you imagine what church is going to be like on the other side of this? I bet you're not going to have to beg people to go to church no more. People are going to be running to the house of the Lord. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Everybody say on the other side. side. See, can you see past this season? That's the question. When you can see beyond the suffering, the cross is no longer a stumbling block. Now the cross is a stepping stone. Yeah, when you can see beyond it, the cross, the suffering don't mess you up because you see it as a season of promotion because you come out learned more, educated more, insightful. My God, I've preached myself happy here. So Jesus says these words, take up your cross, verse 24. He said to who? His disciples. Not to everybody, to the learners. Take up your cross and what? Two words, follow me. This is not the first time they've heard those words, follow me. Now he's saying not just to glory, not just to eternity. What was he saying when he said, take up your cross? I don't know what's included in your cross. Your cross is not mine to bear. You have your own cross. But Jesus didn't say, put it down. He said, take it up. 
follow my example. I didn't let down my cross. Jesus said they hung me high and spread me wide. They stretched me out. But I did not walk away from my cross. And he's saying to you, follow my example. Don't deny him now. Don't say where is God in this season. Because God's got something on the other side. If you can go through the season. If we're going to follow him, then we must be willing to track with him through suffering as well as joy. Preach, Pastor Rick. We want the upper room, and there's no upper room without a cross. We want the power of the resurrection, but we do not want to go through the sufferings of the cross. So the question is, will you follow him and not allow this virus to limit your vision? Will you follow him and not allow the virus to limit your vision? Can you see beyond this season? Can you see the promise on the other side of the pandemic? I'm done. And I speak to you in Jesus' name. Open your eyes and see to the other side. You're coming through this. You're learning. You're learning in this pause. You're being educated in the stillness of your life. Don't come out of this and not learn something. Please come out of this more educated, more insightful, more helpful to the body of Christ. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love you very much. Listen, we are family, right? Yes, sir. We are family. We pray, my staff, you know, some of them are here. There's just a few of us in this building, man. I, there's probably eight people here today. I don't even know. I haven't even counted no more than 10 for sure because we don't want to break no law. But let me just say this to you. If we family, then let's look at the future together. Here's our motto, not one left behind. Not one, wow. Not one, not one at Quest. Yes. Not one left behind. We're coming through this together. Yes, yes we are. Yes. So one way we exercise that expression of unity is partaking in communion. And, man, we gave hundreds and hundreds of communion cups away the other day. Wasn't that beautiful? Awesome. People coming through here and praying. I hope you're commenting and sharing pictures of yourself and hashtagging people and all of that. But if you came through here the other day and got your communion, just put on there in your comments, I was there. You are here. We were able to pray for you. And those of you who were not able to make it, we prayed for you as well. I had a guy call me last night and said, Pastor Rick, I wasn't able to make it up there to get that communion, but can I just kind of get me some bread and grape juice here at the house? (laughs) I said, absolutely. So if you want to take a moment and run to the refrigerator and get you some grape, grape juice, grape Kool-Aid, whatever you got, go and get it because it's the act of what we're about to do that's so important. So the Bible says, and I'm going to ask my wife to come stand with me. I love my wife and so appreciate her covenant to this house and to our marriage. Babe, I love you. I love you too. First Corinthians chapter 11 says these words. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, let's, let's stop right there. When he had given thanks. Will you, will you just start thanking the Lord, not for what you don't have, not for what you're not enjoying, but for what you do have. You have a roof over your head, food on your table. 
Your children are probably sitting right there around you. You might have a spouse. Thank God for whatever you have. The Bible says when he had given thanks that he broke it. And he said these words, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus right now, shall we? In the same manner, he also took the cup. And he said these words, this cup is the new. I like that. I like to stop right there. This cup is the new. There's new on our horizon. This is the cup of the new, the new testament, the new testimony that God has given you. In my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Then the Apostle Paul said these words, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's suffering, the Lord's death, until he comes. Can you see beyond this season? Can you see, baby, beyond this season? We can see the other side. Sure Giovanna, Giovanna and I talk about it all the time. On the other side of this is our greatest days. Yes. Churches are going to be packed. Yes. People yes. are going to be saved. Our best hour is not behind us. Right. It's in front of, us. Front of us. Folks, listen. Part of communion is participation. Yes. Right? It's all of us working together. And I want to thank you for your faithful giving. Not just Quest partners, but our partners across this nation that support us. I want to thank you. You've been incredible during this season. You've been faithful. And I want to encourage you to keep participating in giving. There are many methods that are on your screen right now. Text to give. Text Quest Norman to 77977. You can give online at questchurch.com or our app. Please download that app, by the way. Or you can mail your offering to 6450 36th Avenue Northwest, Norman, Oklahoma, 73072. We love you so much. This message is going to be rebroadcast here in a little bit. Please remember to share it. The kids are coming forward at 1130. A lot going on. Go to our website so you can stay in touch and stay abreast of everything that's happening. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. And I just speak faithfulness, fortitude, and a persevering anointing over your life. You can see through this. We can see beyond this season. And it looks great. It looks great. Open their eyes, God, that they may see in Jesus' name. We love you so much and can't wait to see you again in this building. God bless you. Please share.